How's it going, everybody? This is Gary. Welcome to Hoops and Cards. Hey, um, as I'm recording this, it is July of 22. But I thought because so many of our Basketball Card 101 episodes have great reminders of the basics, like just the foundations for us as collectors and investors, uh, I'm thinking of releasing replay episodes every so often to uh number one it's fun to listen back and see like that's what he said a year ago oh gee you know i i nailed that one or i was way off on that or wow so this will be a fun like trip back in time to well 13 months ago one of our first episodes ever so if the audio quality or if i'm like rambling or you know somebody belches really loud in the background just consider that part of the experience So let's uh, sit back and listen. This episode is about the priorities, the why of collecting and investing, what motivates you, and uh, perhaps you'll find some motivation that isn't so last year. Maybe it's, it's right now something you need to hear. So enjoy Basketball Cards 101, the replay. What's up, Hoops and Cards Nation? Gary here with another episode of Hoops and Cards Podcast where we focus on Basketball Cards 101, the basics. Maybe you need a refresher. Maybe this conversation will help you talking with friends or planning your next trip to a card show. Perhaps you're one of those that's totally new to the hobby and really loving this series where we look about once a week at some of the basics or foundations Some of that's information, some of that's realities about the hobby, the card market that will help you as a collector, help you as an investor, help you stay on top of things. Maybe you're getting back into it and you left the hobby, you know, in the late 90s, the last thing you knew was something about Topps Finest or Metal Metal Nation or whatever those cards are. Like you... Your latest cards were maybe Shaquille O'Neal and, and an Allen Iverson with some weird looking coating on the front. Now, cards have changed and it's time to stay, it's really time to, to stay aware of the stuff you knew in the past, but add to it, right? Take that basketball knowledge, take your NBA fandom, and let's talk basketball cards here in 21. So, Basketball Cards 101, today we're going to talk about Four different species, four different types, approaches, attitudes when it comes to what you're doing with basketball cards. And maybe you'll find yourself, oh yeah, that's what I want to be, or that's what I'm doing, or why I'm getting back into it. Four approaches to your why. <laughs> like, why am I why am I even listening to this podcast? Why do I care about basketball cards? Four whys, four approaches coming up. Let's do it. So Basketball Cards 101, what are you? Four approaches, four angles. Have you thought about your why? Like, why am I doing this? I'm a basketball fan. All of a sudden, I start collecting or talking or thinking about investing in basketball cards, sports cards, prism, optic, national treasures. What are we doing here? 
four reasons, maybe you'll, you'll find yourself in one of these. And I would start, and here's number one. I'm a collector. I have players that I love to follow in the NBA. I have favorite teams. You have uh, cards that you like. Oh, that looks cool. Oh, that's got a piece of Mark Gasol's jersey in it. Or that card is, there's only 99 of this card on the planet. And it's Kevin Porter Jr.'s RPA, Rookie Patch Auto. How you like that, Basketball Cards 101? We say the terms, we define them. And you collect. So your goal might be to say, hey, this year I want to get all of the new Kevin Durant cards with the Brooklyn Nets uniform on them. Or I want to get all of Kobe Bryant 2019 Prism cards and all their parallels. So that means that card, but then the green, the red, white, and blue, the silver, the hyper, the disco, all those versions, red cracked ice, ruby red wave, orange cracked ice, green cracked ice, choice first off the lot. There's so many different ones. They call that collecting the rainbow of a card in prism. You collect because you like to have them, look at them, display them, brag about them. Like collecting would be to say, I just love having these. I just love looking at them. I just love displaying them. Or I love saying I I have the exclusive one out of one ever made. Or I've got number eight of 99 and it's Kobe Bryant's jersey number. The, the hobby plays so much to those, and it has historically, to those who collect and savor and own cards. So there may be a time when I say, you know what? When I was a kid, I loved watching Sean Kemp. And so I'm going to go collect all of the Sean Kemp graded cards that I can because they look great. He was an awesome player. Or Mark Price, who grew up, uh, well, I grew up watching him here in Northeast Ohio. So, hey, his cards may not be worth a whole lot, but dude, it's Mark Price, all-star, Dream Team 2, just a, a player that our whole community identified with. So I might say, I got to go get Mark Price's Fleer Rookies. I got to go get Mark Price's first Skybox card. I've got to get, I've got to get the card that I actually have a Mark Price card autographed with a blue Sharpie, really cool looking card. And uh, I got to get that one framed or graded or something. I don't know, to keep it in nice condition. Collectors, that's one reason you do it. And, and some of you, you know, that's that, that's been you all along. That, that was you in the past as a kid. You like to collect, you like to open packs and find a, you know, just an incredible Shaquille O'Neal rookie card and, and hold on to that. There's something about savoring it, seeing it. Same thing for online platforms like Starstock, looking at your collection, they call it. And you can see all the cards. You can zoom in on them, look at them, and it just becomes this thing that you collect. So you might have collector's goals of I collect every card of this player. All right, every card of that season or that team. You know, I want all of those 2016-17 Cavalier cards because it's the only championship Cleveland will ever have, right? And it meant so much to my family to be there for a lot of those games. So I want that memory. You're really savoring a memory, a player, a team, uh, a specific collectible that, that you just enjoy having. So guys, early on, I decided... When I got back into the hobby, I, I still had that collector gene in me. And although I might want to 
own or invest in things that, that their value will go up. I decided, you know, there's always got to be something that I'm just keeping or I'm just enjoying and, and have in my office or have on display. And, and for me, I've decided to collect my home teams. So I've got Ohio State Buckeyes cards of NFL players that graduated from Ohio State. I've got a stack of cards that aren't worth anything to anybody else. AJ Hawk, you know, uh, Troy Smith, Braxton Miller. I've got a lot of Ohio State Buckeye cards just because I like Ohio State football. That's my favorite team in football or basketball. I've got some Cavalier cards that aren't worth anything to you. You're not going to want my Tristan Thompson autographed rookie. You're not going to want my Anderson Verizhao or my set of Cavaliers cards they gave away at the game in 2016. Don Russ, like you're, unless you're a Cavs fan, right? But for me, it's just part of the collection. It's just part of what I'm doing and part of my why. So if you are primarily a collector, own that and be that and protect that, like guard it because it's going to get all sorts of bombarded from different sides. Well, there's this thing that's more valuable or this thing that's brand new or, or this thing that's more exclusive or exquisite. No, as a collector, know what you want, enjoy it, and go go get it. Go clarify what you're collecting. I'm collecting Cavs, Ohio State, Browns, LeBron James memorabilia. I'm not spending a ton of money on that because some of that collection is just for me and it's just for fun. So like one of my favorite cards is the LeBron James last year's Don Russ green yellow laser hollow. It's not rare. It's not worth a whole lot of money. Just looks awesome. So I've got it on display. I'm not going to walk you into my display and say, Hey, look at this card. It's worth blah, blah, blah. No, it's probably one of the cheapest cards I'm holding on to. It's just really cool. And it's really my favorite player. So collectors know your why collect and protect that boundary, right? Here's how much I'm going to spend or here are what my goals are as a collector, what I'm after and what I'm willing to do for it. How important is collecting to you, right? And how much of your collection has to be able to retain its value or gain value? Do you need that? Or is it just, hey, part of my enjoyment of the hobby? And guys, in a fast-paced world where it's all about, we're, we're, we're talking about, making money and investments and picks and prospecting and you've got great resources like market movers and card ladder and yeah but I don't really care what this card's worth it's a mark price autographed second year hoops I don't care I love it and that's okay like just enjoy the ride just enjoy your collection of cards Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. 
Book your stay today at LQ.com. So if one option is collector, another option is investor. I'm here to make money. I'm here to call this my business, my side business, my side hustle. Some of you, part of, it's part of your retirement plan or it's part of your just adding to your income plan. Maybe it's your career. There are so many people jumping in to the hobby to make money and that's great. It's driving the excitement, it's driving up the value, it's producing more quality cards, <clears throat> excuse me, more different releases from all of our uh, card makers like Panini, Tops. well, maybe that's, that's the only, those are the only ones that come to mind for me right now, but, but investing, and so you hear the language of the market and market movers and star stock and up and to the right and all sorts of platforms really coming out with, with that sort of language, comparing ba basketball cards, excuse me, to investing. <clears throat> Short or long term, doesn't matter. The point is, there is money to be made here. There are people, it's fine, it's wonderful, doing it for that purpose. Cards are being produced with more exclusivity, with more value built in, creating demand, you know, there's there's a lot of people that get cards graded and protected uh, forever because that increases value. And resellers that go on to or create their own Facebook groups, Discord groups, eBay stores, all those things, there are more ways to make money in basketball cards than ever. And that's awesome. That's great. You might be an investor and you might say, look, I started with a hundred bucks, 500 bucks, or my old collection. I just started selling stuff and buying new stuff. And I had this idea that I would continue to buy things that would increase in value. This for me started a year and a half ago. Well, just under a year and a half ago where I had the collector thing, looking back on my basketball card collection, but also saying, wow, look at all that's out there right now. I could make some money. I could, that number one, it could be a lot of fun, but number two, these are some good investments. I may not understand the stock market or Apple, IBM, Colgate, Palmolive, Toyota, all the, all the possibilities, Microsoft, Amazon, like there's some good investments out there that you might have heard their names, but you don't know that world as well as you know the NBA. You don't know much about that company, but you know a lot about Kawhi Leonard because you've been following him since he was drafted by the Indiana Pacers and then traded on draft day. Like how, how much do you know these guys? And the answer is an awful lot. And so if there are valuables, if there's a scarce commodity that, that is tied to that player's performance or that guy's value on the court, you might be able to invest in cards and say, look, uh, this player, is undervalued for whatever reason. Steve Nash is a two-time MVP and his his cards haven't gone up yet, but Kobe's have and, and look at these other players from that era. <clears throat> Maybe I'll invest in Steve Nash or Scottie Pippen or Carl Malone or Tim Duncan. Come on, guys. 
the man with many faces that look the same as each other. He, that guy has no expression. I love some of those memes. Anyway, you're an investor and maybe you have, you have pooled money together with others to invest in cards together. You have bought uh, cards at low prices knowing that that's a prospect, but that's an investment for me. And sometimes I don't know if it's gonna be a short-term or long-term investment. It really depends on how that guy does. Like perhaps you just stored up a bunch of rookies and when Bull Bull like spiked last fall or when Talon Horton Tucker, Talon Horton Tucker spiked a month or two ago, like you sold them right away. That was a short-term investment <clears throat> that you bought saying, I, I, I believe this guy could be good in the future. I don't know exactly when that's gonna be. Right, but smart investors would say, here are the guys I do know, long-term or short-term, that are gonna retain their value at the least. But if they go to the finals, or as they get inducted to the Hall of Fame, or if a famous cartoon movie is made a sequel with them featured in it, <coughs> Space Jam 2, baby, let's go. I'm just saying, you are thinking ahead, you're investing. You're buying cards with value in mind. And so you're trying to time the market and sell cards when they're high. Like the hype at the beginning of the season, the NBA season in January, was a time to sell and capitalize on that value that had gone up. The two months before that where everybody's thinking about football and nobody's thinking about Luca, was the time to buy, time to get in on basketball cards. You're, you're timing the market, the ups and downs. You're looking at the charts. You're looking at the all the comps. You're looking at how many people are chasing after and you're hearing about other sales. You're reading the star stock emerging 30 index of NBA players every Monday as they update it later today. Yikes. Better go in there and see if Shea Gilgis-Alexander's gone up. In fact, check out my last episode about guys I like for the short term or long term. I don't even care. I'm buying Donovan Mitchell. Doesn't doesn't matter what goes on. If I choose to sell him as a short term gain, fine. But I'm keeping some for long term gains. If you are an investor, <clears throat> I would say a few things. Don't invest in things you don't know much about. Don't invest without a timeline in mind. Don't invest without caring for the friction costs of sales tax on eBay or seller fees, shipping delays. Like some people, like me, really a year ago, started to grade cards and thinking that'll be a great investment. I buy this $50 card, get it graded for $25, sell it for 500. You know, people were doing that. And I, I mean, there's a market out there for graded cards it, it increases the value. And there's a scarcity involved of the number the population count listed on each card. But investors have goals. Investors chart the market and time it well. Investors think, hey, is this a short-term investment or a long-term? When I spend several hundred dollars on a card and it goes down a month later, am I gonna panic sell? Or am I an investor that says, well, you know, I believed in this card and bought it for a reason. I believe in this player and he's still awesome. A lot of NBA players had a dip in their card values in February and March because the season had started. So a lot of people sold and prices went down. Will they go up towards the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. Will they go up as new releases come out? 
I guess they have. Will they go up just because they've gone down so far? And people are starting to buy back in. Yeah, yeah, all those things. I encourage you to check out some of the resources for investors like Market Movers, Sports Card Investor, Card Ladder. There are so many good places to look. The Star Stock Index, comps and prices on eBay, 130 point. If you're an investor, just like anything else you invest in, know as much as you can. Have that information and make decisions not based on emotion, based on the timing and what is smart. Get in a group where you're talking with other investors about cards because just like these other whys, these other angles and reasons and, and approaches to basketball cards like collecting, investing is one that can get easily distracted or easily moved by how you feel. A guy has three bad games and all of a sudden you're selling when, wait a minute, he has three bad games because one of his key teammates has been injured all season so don't think John ja Morant's a bad investment just because his scoring's gone down. Think John ja Morant is an awesome player for the next 15 years and he really misses Jaron Jackson Jr. That's my obligatory JJJ mention that I try to do on every one of these. Basketball card 101, if you're an investor, get informed, don't make rush decisions, get in a group. You have lots of opportunities to make money no matter what time of year it is. And some of your best investments will be the ones you don't make or the sells that you don't make. If you're gonna buy prospects, if you're gonna chase after rookies, if you're gonna be that guy that part of my investing is low risk, high, high reward, let's get me some Chuma Okikis, let's get the KZ Okpalas, let's get the Alexei Pokashevskis. <laughs> like do that, but know that that should just be part of your strategy. Like roll the dice on some of those lower priced guys. But investing for the long term would be guys that you can do either long or short term with and you know they're gonna keep their value. You know they're probably gonna go up because they're already producing on the court and you bought a good card, you did your research. Investors, invest. Today is still a season. Today still, it's always, I think it's always gonna be a hobby where we can do a lot of that. So collector, investor, I want to share two other aspects or approaches, motives that, uh, that you might find yourself in. And uh, lots of people would find themselves in this third category over the last three or four years especially. But I would say flipper. Flipper is the third. Buy and sell within a short period of time. Buy knowing that something is going up. Like... I just bought a couple weeks ago. I know we're always a basketball card podcast. I bought a football card, a blue prism of Jameis Winston, rookie, on the news that uh, Drew Brees is retiring, the possibility, and knowing that the hype around Winston might be that he's the next starter for the Saints. So a lot of the offseason, they'll be talking about him. So I bought a card on eBay for $25. I sold it yesterday for $78. That was one of my better flips lately. I have done that sometimes with basketball cards. Some of you guys buy and sell so quickly, you'll buy at from one dealer at a card show knowing that you can sell it like across the lobby to another dealer or to another uh, collector, investor. So flippers, you are thinking short term, short, short, short term. You are thinking, hey, this guy 
goes off for 35 points tonight. I want to be one of the first people to buy his card on Starstock and sell it two hours later and make that small margin that you can and just keep piling up the profits. And so flippers are often looking for the, the quick resell, the quick value, the hype, the quick news. And a lot of people are just banking on that reality in the hobby. Everything from the new release Prism to Top Shot NFTs to Starstock buying and selling during games to people that, that list things basically on eBay knowing that that day this player is going to play or this player is going to start and uh, they want to get in on the, the quick action. So flipping is definitely a strategy. I don't find myself doing it intentionally very often unless there's big news. And I, I should say this, I have often gotten stuck with cards that I bought thinking I might get the chance to flip them and I was a little bit late to the party or the flip wasn't worth the cost to resell it. And so there's there's really, uh, it's, it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different strategy than collecting or investing because you are just thinking uh, fast moving nickels. <laughs> it's a phrase for quick resell, quick flip, and it's a whole different approach to what you're doing with sports cards. And depending on how much money that you have involved, you could be buying and selling and buying and selling in and out of the same card, just flipping. In fact, I did, I did this, I guess I did this with the LeBron Silver Prism from last year. I'd buy it for 30, sell it for 60. And then it just kept going up. I'm like, shoot, I bought it for 65 and sold it for 120. I mean, I, I was in and out of that same card several times, and you can do that. That is a thing. That's, that's a good thing, but just know that sometimes you're gonna get stuck, and know that there's a lot of flippers out there. People that will stand in line at Target for hours, or, or like box out other people to get that, that new release. Not physically, don't do that, but maybe you already have, and whether it's worth it for you or not, people sell it within the hour, you can list stuff so fast these days, list for sale and ship it to a buyer. I mean, you can have it have it sold before you actually buy it sometimes you can flip so fast. I would just say that's, that's a massive section of you people out there buying and selling basketball cards. You are, I'd say also watch out for the, man, I flipped something and didn't realize if I had held on for a couple weeks couple months, there's a lot more profit to be had if you're buying guys that are great players and you're buying cards that are in demand. So so flippers, I'd say that's a third strategy and just listen to other flippers on what they've done and what they've learned from it. Some people it's working great. Some people it's, they just, they're, I almost didn't call this uh, flipping. This is like short-term investing or buying the news, buying the the rip or selling the dip, I don't know. Um, but flipping is a strategy to make incremental profits and build that, you know, snowball sale after sale. That's, that's strategy or approach number three, flipping. And then number four, which I think is similar, but it stands alone in its own category. I would say these are adrenaline junkies, or let's call them chasers. They're after the experience. They're out for what's new, what's quick, what's action, what's a chase, what's hot in demand, what's the hot card, and we go after, we hear something or somebody shows us something on Instagram, we're like, ooh, I gotta get that. 
Maybe these are the I gotta get that or the FOMO people, the experience chasers, the adrenaline junkies. That is a thing. That's a, whether that's something people intend to become or they just know that about themselves, they are in it for the chase and the thrill of, of the hunt, really. And the thrill of saying, I got it, I posted it, I showed it off. And then as soon as they're like, before they're done with that post, they're on to the next thing. Oh, now I gotta get this. These are the people that are like, I gotta have the new release. I gotta get the bowl bowl. I gotta buy this card. I gotta get, I gotta be the first one to get it graded. I gotta be the first one to, to get that rookie of LaMelo Ball. They're the first one to, to have that exclusive. And there are times when that chase pays off. I'll say that. Don't hear me saying all negative about flippers or chasers. Flippers that do it well make a lot of money. Chasers that are willing to hustle or willing to, yeah, did I just say out hustle? Like their eyes are always open for the next thing. They're often the, the first one to get an exclusive release or an exclusive card. And if they pay a little bit more for something, so what? They got it, right? They got in on it. They got that new release. Uh, but know that about yourself. I'm saying don't just randomly become a flipper. Do that strategically. Don't just randomly be a chaser like, ooh, Sports Illustrated for Kids has insert cards every time. I got to get that Anthony Edwards rookie. I got to get that LaMelo ball. Well, do you? And if you do, where and when and how? Like, I, I don't think you can be, or, sorry, I don't think you should be controlled by the chase or by the flip. I don't think you should be controlled by emotions, but you should be aware of them, learn how to leverage them, learn how they might feed those first two motives, I think, are more lasting, the motive of collect or invest. Flipping as an investment strategy, chasing as a as an adventurous, you know, thrill seeker thing. I think those are both, they add fun to the hobby, but know that about yourself and do that well. Like listen to and learn from other people who do it. Because I think all of these have their wins and their losses. Every single one of these approaches, collect, invest, flip, chase, enjoy it. Know what, what works for you in each of those areas. Know which one you are, and maybe you compensate for that by having a better game plan. Learn from those who are doing it and talking about it. So those are four aspects or four whys that people have for collecting, investing, flipping, or chasing basketball cards here in 2021. This has been Basketball Cards 101. Stay tuned for a bonus thought as we wrap up this episode. Hoops and cards, it is fun going over the, the foundations or basics. And you know, those things I mentioned, collect, invest, flip, or chase. I don't even like the word chase as much as like thrill seeker, <laughs> you know, but um, adrenaline junkie. Those are, those are not necessarily terms, you know, that you all need to know. It's just for, for ways of thinking, for reasons and motives about your basketball card experience. And I, I would say, you know, I'm reminded of a movie where people are lumped into four different categories and then the main character finds out that, that, uh, that she's actually all four of those at the same time. 
that she's divergent or like like Neo in the Matrix. He's all these things at once. Or Aragorn. Like you're, you're you're like players in positionless basketball. You play all the positions. So you collect, you invest, you flip, and you chase. And that's kind of what I am. I just have learned when and how, or I'm in the process of learning. I guess we're always a work in process of learning when to when to flip something, when to keep it, when to call this an investment, when it's just a part of my collection, and when to really chase something that's worth chasing. That's probably the hardest lesson to learn is, oh man, there's so many things that, that have gone up in the last year, the last five years when it comes to cards, but will you chase the right things? And, and when you chase something, is, is it worth that time or worth spending more? to get that card because lots of other people are chasing it too. And it drives up the demand or the value of something. So know that about yourself and know, hey, maybe I'm mostly an investor, but I love collecting too. And I'll flip something if you make me the right offer. <laughs> like, and I'll chase it. But I've learned from the last year or so that I don't wanna chase new release wax. I don't wanna chase new release rookies. For my, where I'm at, those are gonna go down in a few weeks and I'll get a better deal. I'll get my hands on that Anthony Edwards Prism rookie that's well-centered and hold on to it for a while, but I'm not paying today's prices. I'm waiting till the T-Wolves officially get eliminated for the playoffs or I'm waiting until, you know, August <laughs> to buy some of these. I don't have to have stuff now. I don't have to chase. There are some things I really do want that, that I, if I realize that they're scarce or this is the, the only way you'll get it is if you chase it, then fine, right? Buying wax at, at retail prices, you do have to hustle. There is a chase involved. You might want to jump in on some breaks online to try to get that limited edition Prism Silver LeBron James card. Whatever you got to do, just don't chase everything. There's a thousand directions you could go, collect, invest, flip or chase. But hopefully this episode of Basketball Cards 101 here on Hoops and Cards, hey, I hope this helps you guys out. Continue, thank you for listening. Continue to like us, subscribe, and, and enjoy the hobby, guys. This is a great season for basketball cards.